1: Ukrainian officials say Russian forces are still trying to take control of Mariupol's Azovstal steelworks. The plant is where Ukrainian fighters and civilians have been holding out for weeks. The reports of fierce fighting come as Russia says it will hold to a three-day ceasefire of its assault to allow civilians to evacuate. Earlier this week, some were able to escape. The International Committee of the Red Cross is helping organize those evacuations, and Chris Hanger with the ICRC is on the line from Zaporizhia. Good morning. If you could just start by describing the role of the ICRC in arranging these evacuations. So, we had
0: a safe passage operation that lasted five days that brought people from the Azovstal plant, civilians, elderly women, and children to Zaporizhia. It was a five day co- operation, very complicated. Um, but in the end, these people are now in a safer place. At the same time, just Um, Yesterday night we managed to do another safe passage operation to get over 300 civilians out Mm -hmm. of the area in Mariupol. So this is another success in another safe passage operation. And our role as a neutral intermediary in this type of uh, conflict is to really try to facilitate the dialogue with the parties to the conflict to make sure that really practical agreements uh, are found so that civilians can get uh, to safety.
1: How many people have you been able to get out?
0: So out of the Azovstal plant, plan, there were several dozens, mainly children, mainly women, mainly elderly. Uh, we've at the same time, in the surrounding areas around Mariupol, we've managed to get uh, more than 100 people out. And yesterday, uh, more than 300 civilians um, came to Saporizhia in another safe passage operation, which uh, these civilians came from Mariupol, but also surrounding villages like Manush Berdyansk and Tokmak.
1: What are people saying who have gotten safe passage, who've been able to get out of Mariupol and the surrounding areas on these buses? What are they saying about what they've been through?
0: When our team spoke to them, um, I mean, wh- one thing that, that struck them is really it's, it's the first time um, the, the people that we got out of the, the Azovstal plant that it's been over two months, they've not seen the sky. Um, So they had no idea what was going on around them. They only heard fighting, intense fighting around them. Um, But obviously they were relieved when they were able to to see the sun again, but they saw destruction. Um, So they saw their home, their city completely destroyed. And uh, of course they were in deep state of shock. Um, women were crying men were staying silent there was actually a a priest and and a lot of people were asking for a priest so this shows you a little bit the level of 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 trauma and devastation these these people have seen and been through and and they kept asking us uh, are we safe are we going to be okay where are we going and that shows you really uh, how how deeply traumatized these people have been after two months in such such a horrible dire
1: situation And now that they're in Zaporizhia, what happens to them next?
0: So, of course, there are these immediate needs that people think of, that we see from images, that we hear from people. There were people, for example, that had uh, broken, uh, they had fractures, fractures. So they needed to have direct medical care. There was a, a pregnant woman. Uh, there were people, of course, that didn't have access to, to to medication. So people with diabetes, they needed to be be cared for. Um, at the same time, uh, now people, of course, need a place to stay. So there are different organizations working on this on the ground in Saporizhia, mm-hmm. uh, helping these people to find shelter. At the same time, I think I want to stress that is I think we can't really imagine what these people have been through. And, and there's obviously a huge need for, for psychological support. And that's something our teams also work across uh, Ukraine on this because uh, the mental scars of these type of situations will, will take years to, to, to process.
1: Hmm. How many civilians are now left behind in Mariupol? And, and what are their prospects of getting out?
0: So it's it's obviously a very difficult situation. There are reports that there is a renewed fighting, and this is an active conflict. So we don't have specific numbers on the people that are still trapped, um, but not only in Mariupol, not only in the Azovstal plant, but across Ukraine. And uh, we are in constant dialogue to get these people to safety if they wish to leave, and uh, we hope that those who who are still trapped can can find a. Uh, a safe way out with the support of the ICRC or other organizations.
1: Chris Hanger with the International Committee of the Red Cross. He joined us from Zaporizhia in Ukraine. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Macmillan Audio. One of the most thought-provoking books about the Middle East, Thomas L. Friedman's From Beirut to Jerusalem is now available as an unabridged audiobook featuring a new preface read by the author. Find it wherever audiobooks are sold.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR.
1: Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects.